in the midst of everything that we go through, it's always all about him. Amen. You know, the devil would try to distract us and the the devil would try to get our minds set on other things. And what we always have to do is what that word just said. Come back to that place where it's all about Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful that you've made it all about the Lord tonight, not other things that you could be doing, that you've chosen to come into his house and into his presence, that you've chosen the better portion this evening. And I pray that you are blessed and rewarded for doing that. We're going to continue this evening on our series on rebuilding the gates and our journey in spiritual restoration. As always, before I even try to get into the word of God, we pray for his anointing to be upon me and upon you as well. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your presence in this place this evening. And Father God, if we've ever made it about anything else besides you and your worthiness and your worthiness of praise, Father God, if we've made it about ourselves or about our problems or our trials or tribulations, God, we're sorry for that and ask that you would forgive us because God, no matter what we're going through in life, You are still worthy of our praise. You're still worthy of our worship and worthy of our thanksgiving. So we just magnify you this evening. We just praise that name which is above every name, Father God. And we know that when we lift you up, Father, that you lift us up as well. So God, tonight, once again, I confess my need for you, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to rest upon me. I pray, Father God, that you would touch my mind, touch my heart, touch my mouth. That it would bring forth your word and your glory, God. And I pray that you would touch every listener that's in your house this evening. As always, give them ears to hear, hearts to receive, Father God. And then give them, Father God, the courage to respond and react to your word. Help us to be doers of your word, God. And not just hearers only who deceive themselves. Make us useful, Father God, and profitable to the kingdom this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The gate that we are going to examine this evening, church, is the water gate. Uh, Without getting into a whole lot of detail, before I get to the word, the water gate represents the word of God in our lives. It's mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. 
And it says in the temple servants living in Ophel made repairs as far as from the front of the water gate toward the east and the projecting tower. And after him, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great projecting or yeah, great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. And one of the things that I want you to see first before I even get into anything even though that there is mention made of repairs being required and done on the wall up to the gate on one side and from the gate on the other side, there is no mention in Nehemiah about the water gate needing repair. And the reason that I bring that to your attention in the very beginning is that the Bible tells us that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. The word of God will stand forever. And that's what this water gate represents. It represents the word of God. And what that's telling us from the very beginning of this lesson that I'm teaching you is that the individual that has the water gate established and built in their lives shall not be shaken and they shall not be moved. You'll have all sorts of difficulties and all kinds of storms and all sorts of enemies attacking you from all sides. But when you build yourself upon the word of God, when you have a strong water gate erected and a established in your life, you will not be shaken and you will not be overcome. We're going to look at that a little bit more as we go. But one of the reasons, church, that I've brought, we just want you to know, I know we're coming up to a revival series, uh, but one of the reasons I've brought this particular series is so that we might be prepared for the revival that's coming up. I tried to schedule it to where we could kind of finish up and then the revival come in. And I know we had some schedule changes along the way and some other things that kind of made us miss a, a, a couple of weeks as far as this series. But uh, the reason that I brought it, church, is because spiritual restoration brings about spiritual revival in our life. When we are in right standing with God and when we are in right relationship with God, I want you to know that the result of that is revival in our lives. The result of that is the power of God moving through our lives. And I'm going to touch a little bit on on what the true meaning of revival means. What we need to understand anytime we talk about revival, church, we need to understand what the true biblical meaning is of revival. The true biblical definition of revival is a restoration of force. It is a restoration of power. It is a restoration of validity and of effectiveness in our spiritual lives. Not just in our physical lives. I'm talking about uh, in our spiritual lives. So whenever we talk about revival, it means that there is a force of power and a validity and an effectiveness that is being restored in our spiritual lives. In a real short definition, I would say God, uh, God. God defines revival as a restoration of usefulness to the Father. You see, unless we, unless we are effective for the kingdom of God, we're not really useful to the kingdom of God. Unless we're flowing in power in these things that we talked about, it, it really, it, it really does, it creates an ineffectiveness in our life. But ultimately, church, the journey that we're taking around this city that we've been looking at is to restore us to a place of power. It's to restore us to a place of effectiveness and usefulness for the kingdom of God. It's to restore us to a place of profitability for the kingdom of God and for God himself, church. Certainly, listen, certainly revival makes us feel good. Certainly revival stirs us up. Certainly revival builds us up. Certainly revival does a lot of things like we might have even experienced on Sunday. I was thrilled to be a part of the move of the Holy Spirit on Sunday and what I learned is when you let go and let God, great things happen. And, and listen, those, those things that we experienced on Sunday are just a part of what revival is all about. But what we ultimately need to understand, church, is, and the question that we need to ask ourselves is that when this series about spiritual restoration is over, when, when, when the revival series that we have planned for the coming week is all over, the question that we need, need to ask ourselves is not necessarily how good do we feel, but has it all made us more effective for the kingdom of God? Has it all, has it, has everything that has taken place 
made us more profitable to the master. You see, I judge, I judge the success of this series based on whether or not it has made you more effective for the kingdom of God. I judge the success of this series that we're going through on the fact of whether or not it has made you more productive and powerful for the kingdom of God. Not just that it made you feel good. Not just that it made you, you know, shout and jump and dance and look, I want all of those things. But ultimately, the question has to be asked, has it made me more profitable to the kingdom of God? That's the number one question we have to ask ourselves and the thing that we have to focus on when it comes to revival. Has it made me a better witness for the kingdom of God? You see, the whole journey that we've taken so far is to bring us to where we are right now in the section of city and the rebuilding of the walls, and that is to the power gates. The whole journey that we've going, gone through so far is to prepare us for the power gates. It is to prepare us for the profitable side of the city. If you've got your little map, you remember going up on the, on the eastern side of the city, I call that the profitable side of the city. And this is where true revival takes place. True revival it takes place on the profitable side of the city. And what I want you to understand is this is where God wants us to live, church. He wants us to live on the profitable side of the city. He wants us to live on the side of the city that is filled with power and filled with effectiveness and filled with a force, a supernatural force that advances the kingdom of God. Listen, God wants us to live in revival. He doesn't want us to just visit that side of the city. He wants us to live in that side of the city. He doesn't want us to just wait for four days out of the year that we have calendared on a calendar for a time of revival. The reality is if we lived on the, on the profitable side of the city, and if we lived in the power side of the city 365 days out of the year, we wouldn't have to schedule four-day revival. You see, what God wants us to do is He wants us to walk in revival. He wants us to live and breathe and move and have our very being on the profitable side of the city. We're going to look a little bit more on what actually that side of the city represents and what this this water gate represents as well. I had a few ideas about veering off, maybe following up on Sunday, maybe trying to prepare you a little bit more for the revival that's coming. But the more that I prayed and the more I tried to start some stuff, the Holy Spirit kept bringing me right back to this water gate. And he did it for a reason, church, because the reality is if we do not have the word of God established in our lives, we can forget about revival. If we don't have the water gate built up and established in our lives, we might be moved for a day or two. We might be moved for three or four days and we might be moved for a week. But revival will not last. Power will not last. Effectiveness will not last. And profitability to the kingdom of God will not last unless we have the water gate established in our lives. As you know, the fountain gate is the gate of the Holy Spirit, which we talked on over the last two weeks. The water gate, however, is the gate of God's word. Here's one of the things that I want you to understand about the positioning of this gate around the city. This gate was, this was the gate that was used to enter into the king's palace. This is the gate that was used to come into the king's presence. This is the gate that was used to come into the upper chamber of, of the king, where the king dwelt, where the king slept, where the king lived, where the king did his business. And here's what I want you to understand. If you ever want to come into the palace of the king, if you ever want to come into the king's presence, if you ever want to live where he lives and, and move where he moves and breathe where he Hebrews, you've got to have the water gate established in your life. You've got to have the word of God established in your life. If you've got no word in your life, you've got no access to the king. If you've got no word in your life, you've got no access to his power. You've got no access to his government. You've got no access to his authority. But when you have the word of God and you have the water gate established in your life, you have access to the king's upper chamber church. And we need to realize that. One of the reasons we're so powerless is because we don't have this gate established in our lives. We look at it, we carry it around, we quote it every now and then, but it's not established in our lives. And it's why we don't have the power we need. I know the old gate. Look, we talked about the old gate in the very beginning of the series. And I know the old gate was also a representation of the word of God in our lives. But here at the water gate, the word of God takes on even a more powerful meaning and takes on an even more powerful role in our lives. 
Understand the Word of God is represented two times in this journey for several reasons, and we're going to look at that as we go. But one of the main reasons is to remind us that we need the Word of God at every level of our Christian walk. We need the Word of God at every level of our faith. We need the Word of God at every turn we make. We need the Word of God when we're babies, and we need the Word of God when we're grown men and women. We need the Word of God when we're in a storm, and we need the Word of God when we're on the sunny side of the sea, like I kind of talked about on Sunday. We need the Word of God when we're in the hospital bed, and we need the Word of God when we're not in the hospital bed. We need the Word of God when things are going bad, and listen, we need it just as much when things are going good. We need the Word of God established at every level of our faith, church. We need it on the infant side of the city, which is the, which is the, the western side of the city that we looked at, where the valley gate goes all the way down to the dung gate. And we need it on the, the mature side of the city as well. Just because we've come to the fountain gate doesn't mean we don't need the water gate in our lives anymore. Listen. One of the difficulties and one of the problems I've always had with the Pentecostal movement is they think it's enough to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They think there's a lot of individuals that think it's enough just to be able to speak in tongues and then they overlook the power of the word. If I can just get baptized and speak in tongues, then I've achieved it. Then I've made it. Then I'm all that in a bag of chips. Well, the reality is you need to understand that the spirit stands idle unless you have the word of God in your life. The spirit stands idle unless you have the word. Word of God established in your life. So, yeah, it's well and good. And I want you to seek the baptism. And I want you to be filled with the Spirit. And I want you to be filled with His power. But if you really want to be powerful, put the Word of God in the hands of the Spirit of God and watch what happens. This is when real revival is going to take place. When you put the two of those together and we're going to look at it, church. But listen, we need the Word of God at every level of our faith. The truth is, if we really want revival, if we really, really want to be useful to the Father, we must remain established in the Word at all times, church. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if you remain in me, or if you're in me, and remember, Jesus was the Word. So in other words, he's saying, if you, if, if you are in the Word, and my Word remains in you, you shall bear much fruit, the Bible says. You shall bear much fruit, not a little bit of fruit. You shall bear much fruit. And we've looked at it before. What does fruit represent, church? It represents profit to the master. Now, a lot of you might not like that terminology or you may not like that concept. But I've told you before, God's looking for some profit from his people. He's looking for a return on his investment. And without the word of God, there is no return. Without the word of God, there is no profit. You and I need to understand that when we bear much fruit, it, be, it, it means that we are producing fruit for the Father. I want you to remember all throughout this series, and especially what I'm talking about today, the eastern side of the city is the prophet side of the city. It's where God gets a return on his investment in our lives. And that investment was his son, Jesus Christ. That investment was the investment of his Holy Spirit and his word that he has invested in our lives. And on that side of the city, he sees a return. Two verses later, Jesus says the same exact thing. How many of you know that when God repeats himself, we better listen? But Jesus repeats the same verse, and he says, If you remain in me, in the word, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Because this is the power, church, of the water gate. This is the power of the word of God being established in your lives. It restores us to an ultimate usefulness to the Father. It restores us to a force of power that can move on behalf of the king. And this is what we need to understand in our lives. The reality is you can't talk about revival without talking about the water gate. And that's why we're going to stay on this gate and on this series this evening. At the old gate, which we looked at before, the word of God represents the law. It represented the statutes and the ordinances and the standards of God. The old gate church uh, teaches us right from wrong. It teaches us the good way versus the bad way. The old gate, as we learned, it directs us down to the dung gate. Uh, the old gate reveals our flesh and our sin, and it reveals our need for Christ and his blood and the cross. 
You see, when we read through the old gate, we realized that the old gate, even though it represented the word of God, it needed some repair. And the only reason that it needed repair was to remind us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that none of us are righteous. No, not one. You see, the old gate needed repair just to remind us that from time to time we need some repair to remind us from time to time that we need forgiveness to remind us to remind us that without the word of God, we're going to fall and we're going to fail. But you also need to remember that attached to that gate was the broad wall. And that broad wall, which represented the word, wasn't broken either. So the broad wall and the water gate stood forever. Because again, the word of God shall not fail and it shall not faint. This is why we must have it established in our lives, church. At the old gate, the word of God helps to destroy the old man. At the water gate, the word of God begins to develop the new man and begins to empower the new man and begins to strengthen the new man. It it, it enables us to rise up in newness of life. You see, the first gate brings the old man down. The other gate or the water gate brings the new man up. Amen. You see, and what you need to remember is what I said before, that we can't expect to come up to the king's palace unless we have a water gate established in our lives. You see, we can't expect to come up into the king's presence unless we have the water gate established in our lives. We can't expect to come into the upper chamber unless we have the water gate established in our lives. I want you to understand that if you don't have without the water gate established in your life, you're always going to live low. Without the water gate established in your lives, you're not going to come up. You're going to live low. You're going to live beneath your potential. You're going to live beneath God's power. You're going to live beneath God. You're got, uh, below, below God's anointing for your life and his promise promises and his provisions for your life. But if you want to come up to a higher level, if you want to come up to the king's presence, if you want to come up from where you are into a place of power, you must have the water gate established in your lives. I don't know about you, church, but I, I don't want to live low. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live under the devil's authority. I don't want to live under the devil's uh, 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 strength. I want to come up to a higher place and up to a higher level. I want to be able to live and move and breathe in the presence of God. I want his power and his force and his effectiveness to be flowing through my life. And the only way that will happen is through the word of God. That is empowered by the spirit that has been released in our life at the fountain gate. Here at the water gate, just like with the fountain gate, the word of God begins to operate through us, church. It begins to, it is released through us so that we can become effective for the Father. Remember, this is the upward side of the city. Remember, this is the side of the city where we are profitable to the Master and where we become fit and ready for every good work. Unless you've got the water gate in your life, guess what? You're not fit and you're not ready. If you don't have the water gate in your life, you're not fit to serve God. You're not ready to serve God. You're certainly not fit to fight, and you're not ready to experience victory in your life. If you don't have the water gate established in your life, you are not fit and ready for any good work God will call you to. But once you've got the Word of God established under your feet, once you've got the Word of God established in the soil of your soul, you are fit and ready for any good work God will call you to. I don't care if you've been to theology school or not. I don't care if you got names... You got initials in front of your name and after your name. If you are established in the word of God, you will be fit and ready for every good work. Amen. It doesn't matter what color you are or what socioeconomic status you have, what kind of car you drive or house you live in. If you are standing on the word of God, you are fit to fight for the kingdom. Amen. This is what God is calling us to church. Whether you realize it or not, whether you have accepted the call or not, the greatest work God has called you to do is to preach the word. So preach the word, church. It's to teach and preach the word of God. Listen, the only ones that have been called to preach and teach the word of God aren't pastors. They're not individuals standing up behind the pulpit as everyone that has confessed Jesus Christ as Lord has been called into the ministry. Every single individual that has called themselves a son or daughter of the Most High God has been charged to preach the Word of God, just like Timothy was charged by Paul. Preach the Word! 
You might not have a pulpit here on Sunday morning, and you might not have a pulpit here on Sunday night, but you got a pulpit at your workplace. You got a pulpit at your dinner table. You got a pulpit in your car. You got a pulpit in your carpool. You got a pulpit at your cafeteria uh, thing. I'm not saying you got to stand up there and preach just what saith the Lord, but you got an opportunity to bring forth the gospel of God. Amen. And if you don't have this water gate in your life, you can't be a preacher. You can't be a teacher. You're not equipped. You're not ready. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying, look, you got to have the right tools to do the right job. You want to go dig a ditch out in your backyard? You're not going to go into the kitchen and take out a little spoon. You're going to go get a shovel. If you want to do the work of God, use the tools he's given you. Establish yourself in the Word of God. Then you can preach the Word of God. All of us are preachers. Remember, this is the side of the city where something of value is supposed to be coming from our lives. This is the side of the city where we don't come to God with nothing in our hands. This is the side of the city where something of value begins to flow from our life. And listen to me, there is nothing more valuable than the precious Word of God. Nothing. There is nothing equal to the precious Word of God. And there is nothing more valuable that can flow into your life and out of your life than what thus saith the Word of the Lord. Amen. There is nothing more precious than His Scriptures, church. I know that we've talked all about the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, but listen to me. Without the Spirit awakened and without the Spirit-empowered Word of God in our lives, we cannot be profitable. Without the Word of God, we cannot do the work of God. And every single one of us have been called to do the work. You want to know why the church is filled with individuals who have a consumer mentality? Because they don't have the Word of God in their life. It's because they don't have. It is the number one reason the church has adopted a consumer mentality because they do not have the Word of God in their life. It's not flowing into them, so it can't flow out of them. And this is what we need to learn about the Watergate church. Without the Word of God, we can't do the work of God. Here at the Watergate, the Word of God becomes empowered by the Spirit of God. And listen, when you put these two power gates together, something powerful happens in our life. When you put the power of the Holy Spirit together with the power of the Word of God, something powerful happens in your life. Something miraculous takes place in your life. The enemy can't stand against you, and the enemy can't stand you. When you bring the two of these together, you see, if all you're doing is walking in the Spirit without the Word, you're only operating with half the power. If all you do is quote the Word and you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, you only got half the power. But you put the two of those together, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word, and look out, devil. When you put the two of those together in your life, the gates of hell won't prevail against you. When you put, the, when you put people who got the, 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 the Spirit and the Word together in one place, watch what happens. <clears throat> the water gate and the fountain gate, when they come together, prepare you for the horse gate, which we're going to talk about in two weeks, because a revival next week. But I want you to understand, if you study ahead, don't even go near the horse gate if you don't have the fountain gate and the water gate established in your life, because you'll die. I'll give you a preview. The, 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 the horse gate is where we do battle. And if you don't have the Spirit and you don't have the Word, don't go to battle. You better stay home. You better stay under the blankets. You better, you, you better stay nice and snug. Don't try to go outside if you don't have the Spirit and you don't have the Word. Because I'm telling you, when you step out, all hell's going to break loose against you. And if you're not founded on both of them, you're going to die. This is what we need to understand, church. We must be established to have both of these gates established in our lives. Watergate, the fountain gate, all these other gates which will lead us. But tonight we're looking at the water gate. It's the gate of God's word, church. And please listen, I've hinted on it. When you open up this gate, gates have hinges, they're opened, church. 
And when you open, when you open the water gate, you open the floodgates of heaven. Just like that song that we sang. When you open this gate into your life, you open up the promises of God. And you open up to the power of God and to the provisions of God. When you open up the water gate in your life, you are opening the door to the king's court. You are opening the door to the king's presence. You are opening the door to the king's upper chamber church. When you open this door in your life, you are opening a door to supernatural power. When you open up this door, church, you open yourself up to the power of God and the wisdom of God and the revelation of God and the healing of God and the joy of God and the peace of God and the strength of God. You open yourself up to the mercy of God and grace of God and forgiveness of God. You open yourself up to the majesty of God and the glory of God and the worship of God and the praise of God. I want you to understand when you're opening this up, you're not opening up some book that was written by the hands of man. You are opening up a word that was opened up by the hands of God. It was scribed by God himself. It was inspired by God and breathed by God and whispered by God. And if you want to come into that God's presence and you want to know that God personally, you better know the word of God. You better open it up in the morning and you better open it up at night. You better hide it in your heart so that when the devil comes against you, you can stand. The main reason we're failing and falling and stumbling all over the place is because we don't have the word of God established in our lives. And the reason so many of us can't, can't, can't even stay awake when we read the Word is because we've not been to the other gates. I've been to that place in my life, church, where, where early in my Christian walk I'd open up the Word and two minutes later I'd find myself falling asleep. A minute later I'd find myself reading it over and over and over and I realized I hadn't been through all those other gates. You see, the Word had not been yet empowered by the Spirit of God in my life. <clears throat> but if you want the, the true power of the Word of God... To be unleashed in your life, follow the journey that we've been going through, church. Rebuild all of those gates so that you can experience the full power of God in your life. Amen. Remember, this is one of the power gates, church. This is one of the growth gates. This is a maturity gate. This is what I would call a fruit gate. It's where something of profit and value <clears throat> comes forth from your life. This is another gate, <clears throat> excuse me, where the power of God operates through us, church. But if it's not in us, it can't work through us. If it's not in us, it can't work for us. You understand what I'm saying? If we don't have it, we can't give it. If it's not growing, it's not going to bear fruit. If, if, if the seed has never made it into the soil of your soul, stop looking for fruit. I don't know anybody that goes out into a field looking for a tree when they never planted a seed there. I don't know any farmer that goes out to his field and gets all disgusted when nothing's growing up out of the ground, especially if he hasn't planted a seed there. And the reality is, if you want, if you're looking for victory in your life, which is a, which is a fruit of the Word of God in your life, if you're looking for victory and can't find it, you better see if you sowed a seed in your life. If you're looking for something in your life that's lacking, you better go and ask yourself, did I ever plant the seed in my life? Because without it, you're not going to have fruit. If it's not in us, church, it won't work through us. In Hebrews 5.12, Paul is speaking to the Hebrew church. He's speaking to the Jewish people, the Hebrew church. Remember, these are his people. This is the royal priesthood, chosen people, holy nation. These are individuals, the spiritual individuals that he's speaking to. And he says to them in Hebrews 5.12, you've been believers for so long that you ought to be teachers by now. But he goes on and says, but you're not. And I'm going to paraphrase it in my sense. What he's saying is you ought, to been, you ought to be profitable by now, church, but you're not. You ought to be producing some fruit by now, Paul was saying, but you're not. You ought to be bringing some profit to the Father by now, church, but you're not. This is Paul speaking to them. You ought to be producing some power and bringing forth some fruit, but you're not. And he goes on and he says, because I have to keep teaching you the elementary truths over and over and over again. He goes on a verse later and says... You're still babies on milk. You're still, eat, you're still drinking milk instead of eating the meat of God's Word. You see, the reality is these people, like so many of us, church, they were stuck on the infant side of the city. They were stuck on the immature side of the city, which is on the western side versus the eastern side. Okay, this is part of our spiritual growth process. It's not saying that anybody's over there is unrighteous. 
Paul is just calling it the infant side of the city. You see, there is an infant stage in our walk with God. And forgive us if we live our entire Christian life there. Shame on us if we live our entire Christian life there. You see, God has called us to go on this journey so that we can come to the power gates and become effective for the kingdom of God. You see, this is a power gate. It's a maturity gate, church. And he says you ought to be teaching by now, but you're not. The reality is they were living on the consumer side of the city like I spoke about a couple weeks ago. These people, these God's people, church, listen, they were living on the side of the city where someone had to keep investing in them. Where someone had to keep sowing into them, where someone had to keep feeding them, and someone had to keep tending to them, where someone had to keep catering to them, and someone had to keep pampering them, and where someone had to keep cleaning up after them. That was the side of the city they were speaking on. Someone had to keep warming up their bottle just so they would eat it, just so they, they would drink it. This is what Paul was saying. And the reality is there's so many individuals in the house of God that unless they have their bottle warmed to just the right temperature... They whine and they fuss and they complain. You see, that's the infant side of the city. That's the side of the city where it's all about me, myself, and I and what I can get out of it. But you see, there comes a place in our life where we got to go to the mature, the, the mature side of the city and begin to do something great for God. And it starts with the water gate. We can't do anything great for God if we don't come to these power gates, church. Listen, the fountain gate, the water gate, the horse gate... They were not on the infant side of the city. They were on the prophet side of the city. They were on the power side of the city. I would say these gates were on the mature side of the city where the grown-ups live, church. You need to realize and understand, and I'm not saying this on a mean way, but on the power side of the city, there were no kids allowed. On the, on the power side of the city, there were no infants allowed, no babies allowed, no grumbling allowed, no complaining allowed. This was the side of the city for the mature saint. This was the, this was the side of the city for those that were serious about doing something powerful for the kingdom of God. This was the side of the city where people made sacrifices and paid the price to receive the power of God upon their life. And unless we're willing to make those sacrifices, unless we're willing to do those things, we're going to live on the infant side of the city where we make have no profit for the father. This is what we have to understand, church. This is what the water gate is all about. The, the, the old gate, which we looked at, one of the first gates, is where we drank milk. The old gate is where it was for the babes in Christ's church. But the water gate is where the word becomes your meat. The water gate is where the word becomes your source of life. The water gate is where the Word of God becomes established in you and begins to operate through you, church. It's where the Word of God is empowered by the Spirit of God. And I'll say it once again, without the Word of God in your life, the Spirit remains idle. If you want the Spirit to control your life, if you want the Spirit to empower your life, if you want the Spirit to give you wisdom and give you direction and tell you which way to walk and which way to go and what decision to make and who to date and who to marry, if you want the Spirit to give you revelation, if you want the Spirit to give you knowledge, if you want the Spirit to give you wisdom, if you want the Spirit to give you supernatural strength in your life, you better have the Word of God. Because without it, like I said, the Spirit stands there idle waiting to be fed. Waiting to be fed. You see, the Spirit needs the right tools and the Spirit needs the right weapons. Listen, if you don't feed the Spirit, guess who's going to rule and reign in your life? The flesh. The old man. The old man. But when you begin to feed the Spirit, watch out. Be prepared for the power and the promises of God to be released into your life. This is what the Watergate is all about, church. It is to enable us to become better witnesses for the Father. The main reason God sent the Holy Spirit is so that we could be His witnesses. We've already learned that, church. I've taught that. So that we can go into all the earth and do what? Preach the gospel. To preach the Word of God. Not, not, not vain philosophies. Not, a, not, not our worldly wisdom. We need to go preach the Word of God. And the reason so many of us aren't preaching it, like I said, is because we don't have it ourselves. Because it's not established in our lives. Because we don't know it, so we don't share it. We don't have it, so we can't give it out. And this is what the Watergate is about, church. It's about establishing the Word of God in our lives. Acts 1-8, we saw it before. 
You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has covered you or come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in all the parts of the earth. But the reality is we cannot be his witness anywhere without the word of God. I can't be a witness to my family without the word of God. I can't be a witness to my kids without the word of God in my life. I can't be a witness to to the church family without the word of God in my life. I can't be a witness to a friend or a foe or a stranger without the word of God being established in my life. And so we cannot fulfill the call of God. We cannot fulfill the great commission unless we have the word of God and the Watergate established in our lives. The reality is every single one of us, unless we have the word of God in our life, will return to the father void. We will return void. Useless, basically. You know, God said, my word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. And listen, he was referring to his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son for a reason, and Jesus accomplished that reason. Jesus was the word made flesh. So when he said, I sent the word, the word that I sent will not return void. Jesus did not return void, I promise you. Jesus accomplished every single reason his father sent him. That was to redeem humankind. Excuse me. That was to redeem humankind. That was to break the law by fulfilling the law so you and I wouldn't have to live under the law. And he redeemed us. He, he did all of that, church. And when he went back to the Father, he fulfilled every purpose for which he was sent. I want you to understand that God sent you into this earth for a purpose. He sent you here for a reason. It wasn't to just sit in a pew. It wasn't to eat a bunch of food. It wasn't to make your mom and dad pull their hair out. It wasn't so you could just live it up and have fun. You were sent here for a reason. It was to advance the kingdom of God. It was to put forth and and expand the government of God. And there's no way that will happen unless the word of God is established in our lives. We can't answer that call. So we need to establish the water gate in our lives. Please understand, church, the word of God does no good on a coffee table. The Word of God, I don't care how big it is. The Word of God does no good in the backseat of your car. The Word of God doesn't, any, doesn't do any good in the, in the middle of the lost and found pile that I have over here in the uh, hospitality room. The Word of God doesn't do you any good when you leave. And I'm not saying this condemning, but when you leave it here all week just so you can have it when you come Sunday and say, I got another one at home. It does you no good when you leave it here to save your seat for next week because it's got your name on it. I want you to understand, church, it does no good unless it is in your heart. It does no good. I don't care if you've got every single version that's out there. It doesn't do you any good unless it's in your heart. I don't care if you got the big letter edition so it's easier to read. It does you no good unless it's in your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? We need to have the Word of God established in our lives so we can live in revival 365 days out of the year and not wait for pastor to mark on the calendar for people coming to revive us because we're dead. Listen, we need the Word of God every day out of the year. Listen, we'd be having our own revival services we go stop off at those guys' churches and have revival for them. Listen, when revival happens in your life, it'll happen in the church. When it happens in the church, it'll spread to the county. When it, when it happens in the county, it'll spread to the state. When it, get, when, it, when it reaches the state, it spreads to the nation. When it spreads to the nation, it spreads to the world. But listen to me. The world is headed to hell in a handbasket because God's individual people don't have a water gate in their lives. That's why. It's exactly why. Listen, if you have the Word of God in your life, woo! Nothing can hold it back. If you got the Spirit-empowered Word of God in your life, you're going to act like I did on Sunday. Some people will call you a fool. But listen, you, when you have the Spirit-empowered Word of God in your life, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, church. Amen. Amen. The Word of God does this world no good either if the believer doesn't preach it. The Word of God does this world no good if all you do is carry it around. The Word of God does this world no good if all you do on Wednesday and Sunday is come and listen to it. 
The Word of God only works when you allow it at the water gate to flow through your life and touch another life, church, so they can come out of the darkness you were in, so they can get found like you got found, so they can have their eyes open like you had your eyes open, so they can have eternal life like you now have eternal life. You see, that's why we need the water gate established in our lives, church. Romans ten fourteen to 17 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear it without a preacher? How shall they hear it without you and me, church? No one can hear this word unless we preach it. I'm not pointing anybody in particular, but your friend's not going to hear the word unless you preach it. Your neighbor's not going to hear the word unless you preach it. Your relative's not going to hear the word unless you preach it. You see, we can't wait for somebody else to preach it. We can't wait for the pastor to preach it. Because some of your friends will never come to church. Some of your friends will never come through that door. Some of your friends will never come and listen to pastor or listen to me. But God has granted you access to that individual's life. And you need to open up the word of God and let it flow through your life. You've got to have a water gate established in your life. Because God has ordained people to come into your life and you to go into their life that will never come. Come into the house of God. Now, what are we going to say? Oh, well, God, they just never came to church. God's going to say, no, you never preached the word. You never had the water gate built in your life. You never had the water gate flowing. You never opened the door to my presence and then allowed my power to flow through your life. That's what God's going to say. He's not going to say, well, you know, he don't care whether you invited him to church or not. He cares whether we preach the word. That's what he cares about, church. This is what we need to understand. The truth is we can't preach the word if we're not empowered by the word. We can't share it if we don't have it. Paul knew that Timothy had to have the word established in his life before he could preach the word. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul put forth a command to Timothy and said, Timothy, preach the word. But Paul also understood that in order for my protege... To preach the word, I've got to tell him something else. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, two chapters before, Paul said to Timothy, study the word so that you can present yourself to God as one that is approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of God. You see, the truth is, church, some of us should be ashamed at the role the word of God is playing in our life. Some of us should be ashamed at the lack of truth that we have established in our lives. Some of us should be ashamed at the lack of truth that's coming out of our lives. Some of us, church, should be ashamed that we are not exactly approved workmen who can't, that, 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 that handle the word of God. You see, the reality is some of us should be ashamed like those Paul spoke to who had been saved for so long and yet had not been producing a profit for the kingdom. Some of us should be ashamed at that church that we're still being taught instead of teaching, that we're still being fed instead of feeding, that we are still being served instead of serving. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong about being taught. We all need to be taught. There's nothing wrong with being fed. We all need to be fed. But that's not what I'm talking about. And you know that. What I'm talking about is the individual that has never moved from the consumer side of the city to the profitable side of the city where they are doing a mighty work for the kingdom of God. This is exactly what I'm talking about, church. This is side of the city where we become profitable to the master. This the the word of God is where our profit comes from. It's where our profit comes from, church, because this is the only thing that produces power, true power, real power, pure power, church. Don't forget, this is the seed, and without it, we can't have a crop. This is the seed of health. This is the seed of hope. This is the seed of strength, and this is the seed, the Bible says, of salvation. This is the seed of power in your life and provision and and the seed of peace and God's power uh, being established in your life. And if we don't have the seed, church, in our lives, we're not going to have those things. And we won't be able to share those things to others. Like I said earlier, there are several reasons why two gates are represented uh, around the city that that, that represent the word of God. And another of those, church, another of those reasons is to remind us that the word of God is a two-edged sword. It's represented two times to remind us that the word of God is a two-edged sword. And I'm saying that for this. 
We have to remember that even when we preach the word and cut through the world with one edge of the sword, we got to make sure the other edge cuts us. We got to make sure that while we're out there trying to preach the word to everybody else, that we're in here preaching the word to ourselves. While we're trying to cut through the sin of the world out there, we better make sure we're cutting through the filth and the sin in our own lives. That's why, that's why it's represented two times because the word of God is a two-edged sword. It applies to the world out there and it applies to us as well. Before you go trying to wield it out there, you better make sure you got it established well in here. Because listen to me, if you don't have the, if you don't have the weapon established in your own life, you're gonna do damage out there. Unless you know the Word of God and it's been applied to the soil of your soul and it's done some surgery in your own soul, you're gonna do more damage out there than you are gonna do good. Can't go around just thumping people over the head with the Word of God. You better know how to handle it. You better know how to wield it. You better know the truth about it. And if you don't, don't say it. Focus on the things that you do know. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the rest, church. Listen. The individuals that I talked about that are not on the profitable side of the city, Paul calls them infants who are not yet acquainted with the meat of righteousness. He calls them babies that can't take care of themselves. Remember, I'm going to start bringing this to a close, but infants can't fight. Infants, church, can't defend themselves. Infants are powerless. Infants can't clean up after their own mess. Infants need someone to fight for them. They need someone to feed them. They need someone to change them. They need someone to diaper them and powder them. They need someone to pamper them. They need someone to make them feel good and make them laugh and giggle. They need, infants need all of those things, church. They need someone to take care of them. But those who go through the power gates, those who don't go through the power gates, rather, are the same exact way. The individual church that does not go through the power gate, they can't fight for themselves. They can't defend for themselves. They can't feed themselves or serve themselves or clean up for themselves. They always need someone else to do it for them. The infant doesn't have a solid prayer life. The infant's real low on faith. The infant has struggles overcoming the enemy church because they have not yet quite made it all the way around to the power gates and the profitable side of the city. Again, I'm not condemning him. I'm telling you this is a process that we should desire to come to. Every single one of us should desire to live on the profitable side of the city. I'm going to close with this, church. Ephesians 6:17 tells us that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is the offensive and defensive weapon of the Spirit, church. Not just our weapon. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the weapon the Spirit uses through us on our behalf. He uses it through us for us, church. It's the weapon that He uses to defend us and fight for us. But how effective do you think the Spirit can be without His weapon? How effective do you think the spirit can be in your life if you don't put the word of God in your life? The the word of God is the, the weapon that the spirit uses, church. You may have a hard time grasping that. But the reality is the word of God is the weapon that the spirit uses to defend us, church. Don't expect to win the fight if the spirit doesn't have the word of God. I know the spirit knows the word of God, but it has to be in your life for him to use it in your life. Listen. Listen, I'm going to bring this to a close here. A gun is only as effective, is as effective as the bullet you put inside of it. Listen, church, if it's unloaded, I don't care how big it is. It may look intimidating. It might appear to have power. It may have a form of power. But when you pull the trigger, how much power do you think is going to be released from that gun? None. A gun doesn't work without a bullet. Okay, a gun doesn't accomplish the reason it was designed for without a bullet. This is what we need to understand, church. Without a bullet, the gun is powerless. And in the same way, we can carry a big Bible. We can have five Bibles. We can have them in every uh, language and we can have them in every translation that we want. But if the word of God is not in you, church, what are you going to fire off at the devil? What weapon do you think the Holy Spirit's going to use when you come into a place of darkness and the devil comes marching in against your life when you don't have the Word of God? I told you the Spirit stands idle. The Word of God is the weapon that the Spirit pulls out when Goliath comes against you and the devil comes against you and darkness descends upon your life. Listen, I don't care if you have a physically 
You can have the most powerful handgun in the world, like Dirty Harry said. But if it doesn't have a bullet in it, it's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. Listen, God has put the Holy Spirit in you at the fountain gate. And then you got to load him up. Okay? The Holy Spirit is dunamis power. But the Holy Spirit needs a bullet. Okay? The Holy Spirit needs some ammunition. The Holy Spirit needs something to do battle on your behalf. And that is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Listen, as I close, I just come into my mind. Another reason that the Word of God is represented on in two gates, church, is because we need the Word of God on a daily basis. We need the Word of God on a regular basis. The reality is too many of us are living all week on Sunday's slice of bread. There's too many of us that are living all week on Wednesday's slice of bread. There's too many individuals that are living a month or two months or sometimes half a year on one Sunday slice of bread. And they think that's enough to carry them through. And when they come into the dark place, they wonder why, why they're being defeated. They wonder why the Holy Spirit is standing idle. They wonder why they're not having victory in their life and why the Spirit's not moving on their behalf. Why? Because they don't have the water gate and the Word of God established in their life. Listen, the truth is we can talk about revival all we want. We can talk about revival till we're blue in the face. We can talk about bearing fruit all we want, but unless we put the seed in our soul, unless we put the weapon in the spirit's hands, you're going to be defeated each and every day. Every single day you go out that door, every single day you go into the darkness, there's two things you better ask yourself. Do I have the Spirit, and is He loaded up with the Word? Do I have the Spirit of God, and do I have the Word of God in my life? Because if we don't, church, we can't expect revival. If we don't, we can't expect power. If we don't, we can't expect the power of God to move on our behalf. So I brought you this whole this this sermon tonight, church, for you to make a commitment, for you to truly examine this gate in your city. You see, the reality is, I know I said that the, the, the water gate is the only one that's never been destroyed, but it still has to be built. At one point... At some point, the Word of God truly has to be established in your life. And when it is, then you won't be overcome and then you won't fail. But tonight, what God is simply asking, He's asking for a commitment. And He's wondering how many of us here tonight are willing to erect this water gate in our lives. How many of us are willing to make a commitment to have the water gate and the word of God established and built up and solidified in our life? To make a deeper commitment to having the word of God part of our daily spiritual life. Not waiting till Sunday, not waiting till Wednesday, not waiting till the pastor sows a seed, but that we ourselves build a water gate in our lives. If that's you and you're here tonight and say, God, I need to erect this water gate. I need the Word of God to be powerful in my life so I can be victorious. I just want you to stand to your feet because this is something we must have established in our life, church. We have to examine this gate and say, God, I'm committing to do the work. Committing to erect this and build this and have it established in my life so I can truly have revival in my life. And remember what revival is. It is a return to effectiveness for the Father. That's what revival is. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your revelation. We thank you, Father God, that you have given us the power of God unto salvation. We thank you, Father, that you have made a weapon available for us. A weapon, Father God, that can transform our heart. A weapon, Father God, that can shine through the darkness. A weapon, Father God, that can come against every unclean spirit. A weapon that can overcome the devil. A weapon that can overcome every difficulty and every obstacle and every giant that would try to march against us. But I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to establish your word in our lives, God. 
I pray that we wouldn't wait till Sunday and Wednesday to hear the word, but that we would have the word sown into our lives each and every day. Father, that we would move from the consumer side of the city to the profitable side of the city, that we would move from an infant stage to a mature stage, that we would come off of the milk at the old gate and enter into the meat of God's word at the water gate. I pray, Father God, that you would raise up some people that, 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 that'll stop waiting for someone else to feed them and start feeding themselves. Someone else to stop tending to them and start tending to themselves. I, I pray, Father God, that you would raise up some mature individuals that'll be, become profitable to the master. Fit and ready, God, for every good work. Father God, I pray that you would prepare above everything else. I pray that you would prepare our hearts for this coming Sunday. God, that you would prepare our hearts for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day after that, God. I pray, Father, that we would have a personal spiritual revival in our lives 365 days out of the year. God, that when we look at our own personal calendar, God, when we look at our day timer, that every day we got the word revival marked there. This is a day for my revival. This is a day for my restoration. This is a day for me to be effective for the kingdom kingdom of God. This is a day for me to be profitable to the master. This is another day for me to be fit and ready for every good work so that I can advance the kingdom of God. I pray, God, that we would go home and mark our calendars so that every day we would be able to fight for the kingdom and advance the kingdom and do something powerful for the kingdom of God. God, I pray that you would just equip us and empower us by your spirit. But that you would also help us, God, to put your word in his hands so that we would be fit and ready. So that we could be victorious in battle, Father God. That we would be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that we would be mature in our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church? Amen. Amen. Uh, 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 there is no other more important gate to me, church, than this gate right here. This is the gate that must be established in our lives. Please don't take it lightly and do what you need to have it erected in your life. God go with you, bless you, and protect you. Amen.